0: because the blood has been applied on your life, you are wrapped in Christ. Therefore, you have access into the presence of God without shame, without guilt, without condemnation, because you are covered by Christ. Hello everyone, welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel, as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. Well, as you know, we've been in a series. uh, We started on last week entitled uh, The The Long Journey Home. The Long Journey Home. And we're going to continue that today. This is part number two. And if you weren't able to hear part one, please go back and hear it. Remember, the word of the Lord is that God has hidden something for you in the second and third hearing. You're not going to hear it all in the first listen, but you'll hear it. You'll hear uh, those hidden nuggets in the, on the second and the third time. So let's develop those disciplines. Amen. Amen. All right. Our series scripture. Uh, is here in John the third chapter verse number 16 John 3:16. we're gonna go over this every single week while we're in this series we may be in this series about seven weeks or possibly eight will be led the Lord but John 3:16 says this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life I know you know it by heart but it is always good to read it, to see those words. Amen? Amen. All right, so today I need to ask you an eternal question. Will you choose life or death? Sounds really simple. Will you choose life or death? Now, if you look at that, Look at that scripture one more time, John 3, 16. Look at it one more time. Let me show you a theme that occurs throughout the entire Bible, especially here, of course, in the teachings of of Jesus Christ. Listen to this theme. Let me read it one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish, but have Everlasting everlasting life. So, The theme there is you must choose life or death. You have to choose that. Now, perish talks about destruction. Destruction. Eternal life really talks about never ending uh, blessedness or never ending bliss in the presence of the Lord. So it talks about uh, life with God or life without God. It talks about uh, heaven, it talks about hell light or darken- or darkness are you hearing that's going to be your choice you understand that right Amen. that's going to be your choice and uh, this didn't just start here in 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 john of course it was back there in the book of genesis so let's go back to genesis let's go to genesis the second chapter verse 17 as god uh, gave man choice all the way back in genesis the second chapter Genesis two seventeen. here's the command. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So way back, God gave man a choice, right? You can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, bad, or you can eat of the tree of life that was also in the garden. It's your choice, you can live or you can die. Someone said, well why, that's crazy, why would God put that in the garden in the first place? Understand something, if I came to you in your house and I told you, hey, I'm gonna give you several billions of dollars, and I'm going to give you all the food that you want, everything you want, but you just can't leave your house. Your house then becomes a pretty prison. If I tell you you have no choice, if I take choice away, you are then a slave. Love, the identification of love is then, it's impossible to know whether you love God or not because you have no choice. Man must serve God with his own free will. So therefore God gave man choice. You can love me, or not. You understand it? Amen. Now, of course, we can go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. I love this. This just puts it right here. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. And it says here, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you what? Life and death, blessings, blessing and cursing. If you don't know what to choose he says therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live that's your choice god gives you the ability to choose look what the lord said here in matthew 7 matthew 7 we're gonna run some scriptures for a minute uh so because i really want to nail this down i want you to see it in scripture matthew 7 verse 13 through 14 says the lord jesus speaking He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. You understand? You have to choose to go to hell, right? You also have to choose to go to heaven. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. He says, but the gateway to life is gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. You have to choose. You have to choose. If one man would say, "Well, you know what? I don't want to make a decision right now. I don't want to choose." Understand something, please please get this. When you say I don't want to choose, uh, you know, I don't want to be involved with that. I'll, I'll put it off. That's the saying. You'll have the same result as saying no. Let me give you an example. If we're all going to go out to eat when we leave here, go anywhere we want to, there is a shuttle bus out there now waiting for us to go. Uh, let me see what I'm going to pick on today. Uh, yeah, Stan. Um, and we tell Stan, Stan, hey, we're all gonna go out to eat. You choose where we're gonna go. If Stan says, you know, I, can't, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let me think about it. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. We'll all still be hungry. That's right. That's right. He, or you know, he could have said no. Him saying no and I don't know of the same results. That's we're still right. hungry, we're still sitting here we're still not eating. Right? It is not until Stan says, mmm, red lobster, then we're all going to go. You understand what I'm saying? So for someone to say, I don't know if I want to choose Jesus right now or not. I'm going to wait. I don't think I'm ready. It's the same result as you saying No. There is no middle ground in the kingdom of God. It's either light or darkness, it's either blessing or cursing, it's either life or death. There is no middle ground. So if you choose week after week to say, I don't know right now, I'll decide later, that's the same thing as you telling God no. Are you hearing? So you have to choose. You have to choose. Either road, the wide road, the broad road, or the narrow road. Both of them will have heartache. Both of them will have pain. But on the narrow road, God gives you the ability to overcome. And to be victorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you have a joyful, blissful end. Are you hearing but you have to choose, you have to choose. God is not going to make you choose. He's not gonna make you do it, you have to decide. Are you hearing me? Now listen, again, the choice is yours. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Now, part of my assignment today is to convince you the churchgoer, you, the believer, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, on the only way to stand in the presence of God in peace. He's the only way to make it out of this life alive. He is the only way. I say it's my assignment to try to convince you or to give give you evidence so that you may be convinced of it, I'm not trying to convince the world. I'm not trying to convince those who, quote unquote, in some other type of religious experience. I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking right now, the Spirit is talking to those who name the name of Jesus and really don't believe that He is the only way. He said, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible then you must also believe that Jesus is God's method, his way of salvation. What about everybody else all over the world? What about them? Well, if they are sincere in seeking the face of the one true God, he will reveal himself. He will make himself known, just like he did with you. Are you hearing? Let's look at Acts, Acts 15. Fourth chapter, Acts 4, verse 11 and 12. Acts 4, verse 11 and 12 says this, out of the New Living Translation, it says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Look at verse number 12. There is salvation in no one else. Do you see that? There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Do you see that? God has given no other name. The word name also talks about authority. There is authority to heal, authority to deliver, authority to save in the name of Jesus. God has given that name uh, to humanity. We have to receive that name and believe that name. Are you hearing? God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Listen to that same verse in the voice translation. I love the way it reads. It says, there is no, rather, there is no one else who can rescue us there is no other name under heaven given to any human by whom we may be rescued there's no one else coming for us jesus is the only path to salvation now, it's not your job to go and beat somebody over the head and force them and tell them, unless you believe in Jesus, you know, you're going to be this and you're going to be that and you're going to be that. All you're doing is casting a very bright light in someone's eyes that is blind and you're going you're, you're gonna to end up hurting their eyes, hurting their senses. It's too bright. They're not ready for the light as of yet. You're going to cast your pearls before swine. The Holy Spirit has to deal with that individual. God has to draw that individual. Then at the proper time, God deals with you to shine the light, to share truth. And then they can be receptive to it. Still, there are many other times when God will give you just the time to witness and tell them, to show them what he is doing through your own life. Please don't tell me that you are a doctor or, uh, and that you know how to heal the body and you're having all these issues yourself. One of the worst things I, I hate to see is, is a barber whose hair is jacked up. Beautician whose hair is out of, all out of whack. You can fix my hair, but your hair look all crazy or a car mechanic who says, I can fix your car, but his car's going I know what to do to fix that. But at the same token, you say, I know Jesus, God lives in me. Where's the witness? Are you understanding? We're gonna have to continue to press and press into the presence of God until we receive the manifestation. Press and press and press into the things of God until you receive the manifestation. Are you hearing? All right. Look at one more. Let's go back to John 3.16 again. Let me read it again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, what? Believeth in him. Say that again. Believeth in him. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have? Everlasting life. Jesus is God's method of salvation. You have to believe in him. What I do with my relatives? You pray for them. There is power in your prayer life. When you talk to God, there is power in your prayer life. The Holy Spirit will convict them. The Holy Spirit will deal with them. He will break down those walls, break down the barriers, so that they may receive truth. But you have to pray. Are you hearing? Again, Jesus is God's method of salvation. He is the only way to get to God. Now, let us also consider what we talked about on last week, Matthew 22. Uh, We're going to look at today, verses 11 through 14. We talked about the wedding. Some of you may remember that. We talked about the wedding, about how the man was not ready. We're gonna talk more about that on this week. Now, as we do that, I want you also to consider the theme of choice. Heaven, hell, right, wrong, light, dark, blessing, cursing. Our Father, our God, is a God of balance. This whole universe is one of balance. There can be somebody say, I don't believe in hell, but I believe in heaven. I'm not sure what God you're talking about because the eternal God is a God of balance. There must, if there is a heaven, there must also be a hell. That's balance. Are you hearing? There is balance and you get to choose which way you go. You get to choose. Look at this. Matthew, so let's go back here Matthew 22 verse 11 through 14. And it says, and when the king when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in uh, hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Listen to that theme again. The man that was not ready, what happened with him? He was cast into outer darkness. But the other guests that were ready, that were prepared, stayed in and enjoyed the feast. Do you see the theme here? Now, Let's go into now, we're going to uh, officially go into part two now, entitled Cover Me. Cover me. And my prayer is that before we are over, before this service is over, when we've said amen, you'll understand why you have to be covered. covered. Cover me is also a military term, or the police also use it, When someone is going to advance, and it's a hostile situation, they'll have their buddy right there, and they'll say to their buddy, what? Cover me. And then they get down. (laughs) And then they try to advance. Cover me. Give me cover fire. Cover me. Meaning, if I am uncovered, I'm just going to walk out here where they're shooting and bullets flying. Well, I'm just going to walk out. Okay, you go ahead and walk out if you want to. That's not safe. It's dangerous. It could lead to destruction. Are you hearing? Amen. All right. Let's look at this. So, look as we look back at that parable in uh, Matthew uh, 22, we see how the Lord said, "Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth." So the question is, why was that punishment so severe? After all, he just wasn't wearing the right clothes at the wedding. Why was that punishment so severe? Let me answer that for you. Because his sins were not washed, washed away and covered, or simply because he was not covered. Now, we know he had to be, we don't necessarily have to say because he wasn't washed, but because he, because he has on new clothes, it is, it is said that you must have taken a bath first. All right, somebody know that online. <laughs> if I'm taking you off the street and you're dirty on the street and you're putting on new clothes, I'm sure you had a bath. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, this man, um, this man received this type of punishment simply because he was not covered. Because he wasn't covered, the king could, could readily see the evidence of this man's uh, disrespect, he could see the evidence of this man's disobedience, this man's betrayal, and this man's rejection. He was rejecting the, the king's commandment. So again, the presence of this man wearing the wrong clothes in this place said volumes. You, di- you are disrespecting me. You are disobedient. You are betraying me. You are rejecting me. All in because of what he was wearing. Remember, the robe represented three things favor, restoration, and righteousness. Favor, restoration, and righteousness. Now we know that this concept did not begin here in Matthew. It started again in the book of Genesis. So let's go back there one more time. All right. Cover me. Let's go to Genesis third, chapter, verse number seven, as God dealt with Adam and Eve. We see in verse number seven, let's go ahead and read it, Genesis 3, 7, it says, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, this is, of course, after the fall of man, Adam and Eve sinned, and they tried to fix the problem by themselves. They'd sinned, We know we're in sin, we know we're naked, let's fix the problem ourselves. This is the birth of religion, where man tries to cover his sins and live with the covered sins apart from God. Notice also, after this experience, they run from God or hide from God. God, I don't need you to handle the sin, I'll do it myself. That's the birth of religion. Remember, religion says, I can do this without God. I can follow this code, this conduct of doing right. I don't necessarily need you to do that, Father or God. I can do it myself. So they covered their own sins by their own efforts. That's religion. That's what people do. They want to make themselves feel better? Well, they go and try to do something good. Oh, I've sinned. I've messed up. Please forgive me. Let me buy you something. Let me do something nice for you. You're trying to cover your sins, cover your wrong with something that you think is good. That's the birth of religion. Are you hearing me? But look what God did. What did God do? What did God do? Uh, It says, let's look in Genesis, the third chapter, verse 21. Uh, For Adam also and for his wife, the Lord God made long coats or tunics of skins and clothed them. What's happening here? This is where God is reaching down to fallen man and restoring him, making him whole. Understand something, there are three individuals here, or three parties. One is God, second is the, uh, the animal of sacrifice that had to shed his blood to give, uh, to give a coat. Remember, God made the coat for them. And third, there is man. Look at the layers. God, and then upon man is the covering that God gave man, and then under the covering is man. When God looks at the man, he sees the covering first, and then he sees the man. When God looks at man, he sees that man is covered with what he covered him with. Make sense? As we go back now I you to see this, if we go back to the wedding, uh, Matthew 22, once again, we see here as the king came in, as the king came in, he saw the man was not covered. He was not covered. Now the man wasn't naked, the Bible doesn't say, behold, the naked man cameth uh, in the wedding. <laughs> the Bible does not say the man was naked, the man had on clothes. But in essence, he had on his own desires. He had on his own leaves. He did not have on what the king provided. He was uncovered. He was uncovered. The king provided clothing. Just like in the beginning, God provided clothing for Adam and Eve, He provided them a covering. Somebody say, Lord, cover me. Are you hearing? Now, I want you to see this. So this man's sin, this man's sin was not that uh, he wasn't cast out because he was a drinker or snorted or rooted or partied and all that stuff. He was cast out simply because he was not covered. And you're going to find this also all in Scripture, all in Scripture, that God is not judging people based on what they have done. The judgment is, really, have you received the Son? Have you believed in the Son? Because if you have believed in the Son, believed in Jesus, then the Spirit of God moves in and he makes you ready. Life begins to change. So the failure is not that an individual says, well, Lord, I I can't come to church because I'm still sinning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I can't come before you, God, because I'm doing this. I'm doing that. No, no. God says, hey, buddy, slow your roll. I never asked you. He said, I'm simply telling you, believe in my son. And as you believe in my son, my son helps you deal with all this. Because God knows that you and I can't do all of that by ourselves. The best we can do as human beings to clean ourselves up will only last a short while. You'll stop doing this little bit over here, and you say, well, okay, hey, I stopped doing that. Well, I must be pretty good. Well, what about that? Now I got to handle that. I've heard people say, you know, I'm doing pretty good. If I can just stop doing this, I'll be all right. But you look your view, your gaze is too small. You only see one part when you haven't seen the vastness of error that's in your all, all of your life. Are you hearing? Only the Spirit of God can lead you into all truth. Only He can take the blood of Jesus and wash and cleanse all of your sins away and then lead you into having a perfect soul before God, a perfect, lead you into perfect fellowship before God. Only He can do that. Are you hearing? Amen. We're going to get more and in, more into that. Let me show you an, an Old Testament example, an Old Testament uh, Old Testament example about covering and why covering is so important. And I'm also going to show you a picture. Yay, we got pictures! Amen. Hallelujah! So we go back into First uh, Samuel here. Now let me show you. Let me set up the scene as to what's happening in First Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant uh, was stolen taken away by the Philistines. The Ark of the Covenant always symbolized the presence of God, how God always looked upon the Ark, the presence of God. When the Ark was present, God's presence was present. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So the Philistines took away the Ark. They took it away, stole it. They took it to their camp. And uh, (laughs) i tell you, Lord, help these people. They put it into the temple of Dagon. And Dagon, they worship in this false god, this, this idol, and uh, they, they just put the ark right on in with it. Yeah, put it on in there with Dagon. And Dagon was this big old statue. And the next morning they came in, they found the ark in the same place, but Dagon had fallen over. Prostate, prostate before the Lord, prostrate before the Lord. Hallelujah. So they picked it back up, set it back up. Next morning they came back in, found found Dagon again, fallen, but now his head and arms were knocked off before the the ark of God. They say, oh, what's going on here? The Hebrew's God, man, this Hebrew God, he's, he's tearing some stuff up in here. Then all of a sudden they began to develop diseases all throughout the country and people began to die. God's hand was on them sore. So they said, we got to get this ark out of here. So they took it to the next town, and, and things start happening over there, and the people there began to, to, uh, to develop some other uh, sores and boils on, they're like, oh my God, get this thing out of here. They took it to the next town. And so finally they said, we got to send this thing back to the Hebrews. We got to send this thing back to Israel. We got to get it out of here. Yeah. So they took counsel, how are we going to take it back? Well, let's get a cart, let's make a cart and let's put two calves in front of it, two cows, and, and, and let's make a, uh, some some golden rats and this and that, and they put it on the cart and they send it out. And the the cart, uh, they said, well, we, we, we're not going to send anybody with it, we'll, we'll just put it on the cart and let the cows go, 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 go get out of here. They said, if the cows go toward israel then we know hey it was god all along that did this if it goes some other way then we we will know you know then it wasn't god well they did that and the cows just went straight on making noise and they went on right around toward israel and they followed them at a distance and the uh and the ark ended up there in the city of beth shemesh and the townspeople there, they saw the ark coming, and, and, and they, they worshipped, Oh, Lord, the ark is back! The ark is back! Yeah, Lord, the ark is back! Happy days are here again! And they took those cows, and they, they sacrificed those cows before the Lord. Hallelujah! And everything was well until. And here's your example of uncovering. Now, let's look now. You can go home and you, you read the entire Thing, but first Samuel the second, first Samuel 6, 1 Samuel 6, verse 19 through 20, 19, 20, it says this. But the Lord killed seventy men from Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark of the Lord. And the people mourned greatly, uh, mourned greatly because of what the Lord had done. And this is what they said. Who is able to stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? They cried out, where can we send the ark from here? We got to get it out of here, they began to say. But what was the issue? Why was there such an issue? Why did God strike, kill 70 men of that town? They weren't Philistines, they were his own people. Why did God do it? Well, that has to do with covering. Let me show you this picture. Let me show you this picture. This is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, you'll see, you'll find um, three items. Manna, a pot of manna. You'll find Aaron's rod that budded. And you'll also find stone tablets inscribed on it, inscribed on it were uh, the Ten Commandments you find that in the ark. Now, the lid of the ark uh, had two images, two seraphim, and their wings reached out toward each other. Now, the lid of the ark was called the mercy seat. The mer- say mercy seat. Mercy, mercy seat. seat. So when it came time for the high priest to offer atonement or sacrifice before the people to cover their sins, They would go into the holy place, the most holy place, uh, where the ark was. And they would take the blood of sacrifice, the blood of the animal that was sacrificed, and they would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat, upon the mercy seat. That's why you see the, the drops of blood all on the mercy seat. They would sprinkle the blood. Now, as long as the mercy seat was intact, then you could not see the law that was under God would not look past the blood to see the law. If God saw law, God is judge. He is a just judge. And law always execute judgment against sin. If law is revealed, sin must be dealt with. If law is uncovered, sin must be dealt with. Are you hearing? Amen. So again, God would not look past the blood. He would not look past the blood to see uh, the law. So as long as the, as long as the mercy seat was intact, as long as the lid was intact, the blood was upon it. And God would not look past the blood to see the law and bring judgment upon the people. Going back to the men of Beth Shemesh, they got curious Oh, let's look in the ark. Let's look and see the manna. Let's look and see the rod. Let's look, let let me see. Maybe we can taste it, boys, what do you think? Maybe we can taste it. And so they pushed, somehow, probably with a stick, because if you touch the ark, you die. So probably they got a stick and, and pushed it over to look and see what was inside. But in pushing the lid off, it also revealed the law. There was no more blood of sacrifice covering covering the law. The law was exposed, law, and the people in sin, law plus sin equals instant judgment, they all had to die. Why? Because they had removed the covering. Does that make sense? They remove the covering. Where there was no covering for sin, judgment is inevitable. Where there is no covering for sin, judgment is inevitable. It's going to happen. So now let's go back. Let's go back to the wedding. You we say, why was this man, uh, why was he really punished so severely? Simply because he had no covering. Covering was provided to cover his sin. Covering was provided to cover his shame, to wash all of that away. He rejected the covering and thought, I'm fine just the way I am. These fig leaves are fine. I look fine just the way I am. But the problem is God did not provide that. And those leaves were not Uh, adequate to cover or wash away his sins. The king gave him the covering that was needed. Now, if we take this back just for a moment and we're we're ready to close, understand something. If we look behind the curtain of this entire parable, we know that the king is God, the father. We know that the servants that made the people ready is the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is the son and is the son of the king, and the king has made this wedding feast for his son. We also know that Jesus will provide the covering for the wedding guests. Jesus provides us his covering. His covering is his righteousness, his right standing, his favor with God. Everything that covered Christ now covers us. You're not only covered by Christ, Christ is also in you. If you've believed in him, he's also in you and you're also in him. And when God looks at you, he cannot and does not look past the blood to render judgment because the blood has been applied on your life. You are wrapped in Christ. Therefore, you have access into the presence of God without shame, without guilt, without condemnation, because you are covered by Christ. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Now, let me show you some scriptures. This, these, are, these are scriptures that you should go home and, and meditate on. Now, again, the only the only reason why this man was not covered because he refused. The only reason that he was not covered. Because he, he, uh, Again, because he refused, his sins were exposed because he was not covered. When you believe in Jesus, his covering comes upon you and your sins are washed away. They are no longer exposed in the presence of God because you have been covered. Are you hearing? Yes. Well, what do I do? I'm, I believe in Jesus and I have sinned. What do I do? We repent of our sins. We confess our sins before the Father. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, washes us from these things. Our fellowship with God is, our fellowship or relationship with him is unbroken because we are one with, one with him. I've told you this before, my son is present with us today and he thinks I'm crazy a lot of times. <laughs> uh, I don't doubt him because I do, I, I I I do some stuff. Uh, I really do. I may break out in a dance move at any minute. I may. I don't know. I just sometimes I feel the joy of the Lord, man. Are you hearing me? I may say some really crazy things. But He'll always be my son because He was born, my son. Some people, some children, have taken their parents to church. Not church, Lord help me. But that's a good thing. Children, please take your parents to church. <laughs> no, some children have taken their parents to court and have tried to, you know, separate from them legally. But they may be legally done, but there's still blood. Amen. Once you are born of God, born again, truly born of God, born again, you're connected by God, connected to God by blood and by birth. The Lord Jesus talks about this in, in John, the third chapter. And once again, when he talks to Nicodemus, he says, you got to be born again. He says, you must be born of the water and born of the spirit. What does it mean to be born of the water? Some of you may remember, uh, well, I doubt it, but uh, being born from your mother and the water broke. Or you saw it done with somebody else being born right that's better sissy <laughs> you saw it being done you saw the water breaking born of water after the water was released shortly after there was a birth you must be born of water and be born of the spirit Born of the Spirit talks about being born of God, being born again, receiving Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing in the finished works of Christ. You are born into the family of God. And once you are born, you cannot be unborn. But you, wait, wait a minute, Pastor You're talking about you believing in like eternal, eternal, security, eternal security, once saved, always saved? I'm telling you that if you are saved, yes, you are saved. But the thing that we encounter is that there are a lot of people who fake the moves. They have learned to do church, but they have never changed. And God's not saying you can come to heaven if you learn to do church. They've taken church as a religion and think if they come to church enough and do good enough, God's going to like me. But you can go to church and still bust mm, wide open. I've seen a lot of devils up in church. Are you hearing me? Let's move on. Let me show you some scriptures that you need to meditate on. Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians, third chapter, verse number nine. Philippians 3, verse nine says this. This is what Paul said. He said, and be found in him. I want to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says, on that day when I stand before God and God inspects me, God looks upon me, I don't want him to see me in fig leaves. I want him to see me. I want to be found in Christ, wrapped in the covering of Christ. Are you hearing? Let me show you one more. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4, verse 21 through 24. Ephesians 4, verse 21 through 24. I mean, how much plain, how much plainer can I make it? Can the Lord make it, should I say? Ephesians 4 will answer that question. Ephesians 4, verse 21 through 24 says this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, take it off, and your formal way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Verse 23, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, Put on your new nature, the new clothes, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Take off, put on. Take off, put on. Take off, put on. Now again, the presence of this man, and as we're closing, this man's attendance at the wedding proved, proved one thing. Well, actually three or four, but one thing in particular, it proved that he was religious. He was there with the church crowd. With everybody else that had been changed, that everybody else that has changed, but he did not. Everybody else that was wearing the king's covering, but he was not. He was in among them, but he was not one of them. Make sense? Amen. It also reveals that he really didn't believe in Christ. And it also reveals that he was never changed by the Spirit. He was not covered, he was not covered. Notice again, the prepared guest got to stay and eat. The covered guest stayed and ate. But the unprepared guest, the uncovered guest, were escorted out. You've heard the saying, and it's very true, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people how am i going to be prepared we've got to receive the covering of the lamb we've got to see the covering of jesus if we say if you said this before if we say i don't want to make a decision for jesus i like my life the way it is i don't want to get all involved into all of that i like the way things are going now i'm not going to decide now understand something When you say, I'm not going to decide, or you just don't decide, it's the same thing as you telling God no, because you'll get the same results. Need I go over that example again? Yes, I think I will. If Caleb is responsible for taking us all out, and we're all at the ice cream parlor, and there are flavors everywhere, and there are 31, 65 different flavors, but Caleb has to decide which flavor we're going to have. If Caleb says, I can't decide, there are just too many. We'll all stand there in line and be hungry. It would be the same thing as if Caleb said, no. If he said no, we'd be hungry. If he said, I can't decide, we'll still be hungry. And I think I want me some pecan. Followed by some strawberry. Oh, wait, yeah, that butter pecan. That's what I want. I want some butter pecan, Caleb. Yeah. I think I had some of that after church today. Thank you very much, Caleb. So if you say, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know if I want to give my entire life over to him. I don't know if I want to repent of of my sins. I'm not sure if I want to go that straight and narrow way. Understand something? If you don't choose the straight narrow way, you have already chosen the broad way, which leads to hell. If you're not on the road to heaven, you're on the road to hell. If you're not on the road to life, you're on the road to destruction. There are no two roads. There are no uh, no third, middle road. There's only the two. Only if you're going to heaven or if you're going to hell. You're in the will of God or you're out the will of God. If you say, and I'm closing, believe me, if you say, well, I am on the right road, then we should see change in your life. You're not changing to please me or to please people you have to evaluate, you have to seek the Spirit of God. You have to know, have you truly believed in Christ? If God required your life at this moment, if the rapture occurred at this very moment, would you be going up to be with the Lord or would you be left behind? If we died the very next moment, if something were to happen, and uh, God forbid it that that something bad like that ever happens to any of you, but people just, I've heard just yesterday, another mall shooting, and all this stuff happens all around, tomorrow's not promised to, Any of us, but if that moment were to happen, do you know that you'd be in the presence of God? Do you know that Christ has covered you? Do you know it that Christ has covered you? Do you know the blood of the Lamb has washed your sins away? If you don't know, then today is the day to make the right choice. Today is the day of salvation. But if you let this day pass once again, and say, you know what? I'll think about that. Your thinking about that is the same as you telling God, no. It has the same results. So you have to decide. You don't have to come to the altar and say a prayer and give the preacher your hand. You've got to simply believe. Repent of your sins. You got to turn from those things and turn to God. Truly come before him and give him your whole and complete life. All of you. Remember, 99 and a half won't do. God wants, literally wants all of you. And the things that you keep behind and, and put away. You say, God, you can have this, but not that all that sin, and that's the enemy's playground. Everything you said that God can't have or can't have access to, you'll find the enemy all in that, all in it. So today I pray that you will make the choice for life, that you will choose life and not death, that you will choose eternity with God and not an eternity in hell because there is no other way. Father, in Jesus' name, I, Lord, I believe that I have done what you've asked me to do today. And Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch every heart of those listening and watching now and those listening and watching later. Father, I pray that you will convince them and that you will convict them of the truth. And Lord, I pray that they will choose life. And Lord, as they call upon your name, as they call upon the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that they will be saved, marvelously saved, set free, and delivered. And Lord, if anyone is laboring under false, if anyone is, is deceived in thinking that they're one thing and they're actually not, Lord, I pray that you would deal with their hearts and show them the truth. We give you praise today, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.